Well, how are we doing this weekend, Faith Promise? You guys are doing great? Come on. <clears throat> you got to love it when the kids lead out in worship. We, we just are thrilled with our kids' ministry and preschool and how they love God and our team and staff at every campus. It is just great. So whatever campus you're at, we just want to welcome you. It's an amazing weekend. It's a, just a great series. By the way, just all of our campuses, we want to give a hand to our North Knoxville campus last week, did an outreach on Sunday morning, had 1,200 at the Expo Center. People were saved. Teams, you guys did great. Way to go, Mike Baker. Way to go, Candace, Rob. Way to go, Aaron, man. You guys are awesome. At every campus, we are thrilled that you're with us. Well, we are five weeks away. Some of you are going to know what this means, and some of you are new. You won't. We are five weeks away from what we call a heart for the harvest free will offering that we give to the Lord through his church once a year. That'll happen in five weekends. By the way, I won't, I won't rock your world, but it's not many weekends until Christmas. And you, you hear that holy grunt happening everywhere. And so as we, as we head toward that, as we head toward heart for the harvest, and, and we really pray that God will move in that. I was, I've been praying, of course, every day all year because we set the Heart for the Harvest offering as one of our prayer goals to give $1.5 million in that weekend offering. And it's just excessive and off the chart. The news comes every year and they just can't believe in the midst of what, you know all this going on economically that this congregation would do that for the Lord. And so, you know, I'm just praying for all of us because we're praying for at least 1,500 families to give $1.5 million, and I'm just praying about that. I'm thinking, Lord, why is it some people at Faith Promise sacrifice and give and other people don't? And how come some people believe for you to move, God? Why, how come some people believe for miracles and then others don't think that, that there's anything that's going to happen in their life? Why can we believe for other people? It's easy to believe that God's going to do something for someone else. But why is it so hard to believe that God can do something for us individually? Why, why do we follow? And I've really been just knocking on the door of heaven, asking God that question. And the Lord just spoke this, this one thought into my mind a week ago in line with what's coming up. And we're going to talk about it, not today, but in the next month. And that is this. If you're listening, Sam, are you ready? Faith walk is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. We don't want to have to walk by faith, really, do we? Who wants to have to pray, Lord, give us this day our daily bread? We don't want to have to pray that because we want the freeze to the pantry full. We want the checking account full, right? Come on, be real, don't we? We want the retirement account full. We want the savings account full. We want our insurance paid up. And we want, so we try to insure and insulate and isolate. And we try to literally do everything in our world where once you really cut down to it, we don't need faith. So here we are in the 21st century looking at, well, are we people of faith? See, we're, do, are we? Do we believe the Bible still? So see, we're people of faith and we believe the Bible, but you know, if you were a farmer, like people were for thousands and thousands of years, you knew that you didn't have any control over the sun or the rain. And all you could do is hope that it worked out well. Hope that there was a God and you were, he was going to shine down on you and you're going to have a harvest. For all through, all through history, we've needed God. Now, we need the government when, when it's open. See, we put our faith in so many other things. And so it's become very difficult for believers of the 21st century to sacrifice and walk by faith. Why? Because we, faith is uncomfortable. 
And so next weekend we begin the series, Faith Without Borders. God's going to increase our faith. He's going to move in a, just a powerful way. And, and I just want us to believe that God is going to do something extraordinary in your life. Next weekend, we're going to be praying for people that don't have jobs. We're going to be praying that Jehovah Jireh, our provider, will provide every single financial need that all of us have in all of our congregation. Can God do that? Can God do it? So we're going to be praying about that next weekend. So let's, let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord, we, we know that it's hard. It's, it's been hard every generation to walk by faith. And we have our unique issues in the 21st century. But God, you said that those who walk in the flesh can't believe you, but can't please you. And you said that, the, that, that without faith, it's impossible to please you. So God, would you elevate our faith? Would you grow? Would you move in the month of miracles that people would see jobs, doors open up? better jobs, that people would, we'd see physical healings, we'd see prodigals come home, restoration, we would see you do a glorious work, and then as we pray through that month that we've seen you move, and as we sacrifice five weekends from now, God, that we would give to you the biggest offering, single one-time free will offering we've ever given you, so that we could continue to touch the world, expand campuses, that we can put ourselves in a position for you to move. So God, Really, only those that need a miracle will receive one. We need it in a thousand different ways. We believe you. We believe you're a warder of those that diligently seek you. So, God, we're looking for you to pour out your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Somebody give you some praise in the house.
Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys, amen, go ahead and give the Lord some praise on that. That was great. How many of you guys enjoy coming to church? Every campus, you guys enjoy coming to church? Amen. Man, coming to church is like a, it's like a waterfall. We walk through a dry and a weary land, and we gather together with, the, with other believers, and we gather with, with our, our Heavenly Father and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and it's refreshing, and it's restorative in nature, and it just, it's just a long, cool drink on a hot summer day, and when the world just doesn't have anything to offer us. So coming to church, as we do every seven days, we are walking in under God's waterfall of God's love and God's presence and God's grace. Would you guys agree with that? Yes. I mean, that's just so true. So <clears throat> let me ask you, how many of you have enjoyed the series Normal? How many of you enjoyed it so far? Have you guys enjoyed it? <clears throat> God has touched a lot of people. Would you all agree with that in this series? We have had so many people at the altars after every, every service, people just coming and seeking the Lord and seeking Him to touch them. Now, as a senior pastor and really all of our pastors, our job scripturally is to feed and to lead God's sheep. And in this series, we try to do it. We try to add value to the, to the families. We have never worked harder in preparing small group curriculum as Michelle and I shot it, and just it, it, there, you can't believe how many people worked on getting the final, uh, final edit of what you guys are studying in small groups right now. It is, it has just been awesome. Now we have two more weeks in group in the siege normal, but next week in the in the week we do four messages on the weekend and six lessons in small group. Next week again we start heart for the harvest, faith without borders and really asking God to move. So I want to I want to finish this series with <clears throat> something that's so important in the life of a normal Christian family. And that's going to church. Should Christian families go to church? Now, if you were to walk around the room with a microphone and I would say, "Hey, tell me why you come to church." And the lie meter was on so you couldn't lie. There'd be a lot of reasons why people go to church, wouldn't there? Now, again, hey, we're Christians, normal Christians gather every week for worship. We, we believe in the discipline of gathering together for God. One of our values is worship, gathering together for God. It, 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 it's huge. But if we were to get down, there'd be a lot of reasons why people come to church. Some of you feel guilty. Others of you are dating somebody for faith promise and feel like, well, if you, you come to church, you'll have a better shot. There are a lot of reasons why folks come to church. Would you all agree with that? I mean, you, you know, you can just, you can, you can go through it there. Again, there just are so many uh, reasons. Well, let me show you what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, about us in worship and what God would have us to do. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, in context, the apostle is writing to us about how to live this new life in Jesus. They've lived in the law. Now they're living in freedom. So I want to back up. And it's talking about access we have to God, really, in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, since we have this confidence to enter the, uh, the holy place by the blood of Jesus, remember before the priest once a year could go in the holy place, not the people. And he said, by a new and living way which he, Jesus, inaugurated, for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, and that is, again, Jesus, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, 
having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's salvation by grace through faith and water, baptism right there. Let us hold fast our confession of hope without wavering, for it is he who promised is faithful. Well, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. How is it? Does God want us to do love and good deeds? So how can we stimulate one another to more love and more good deeds? What? How can we do it? And he answers it with verse 25. By not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the habit of some. Now, by this point in the ballgame, the first generation is not over. The apostles are still alive, and people have bailed on church. People bail, don't they? Excuse me? People just fail. This is the first generation. The, the scriptures weren't even completed. The apostles were still alive. Miracles were still being done. It was, it was this unbelievable era where you say nobody could not go to church. Yeah, they were already bailing. It said, not forsaking the, our own assembling, as is the habit of some. See, some people are already have already bailed on the discipline of gathering together for our God. They've already done it. They bailed. They've quit. It, so our own assembling as the habit. See, some people have dropped the habit of going to church, and some people are in the habit. Believers, should we be in the habit of weekly worship? Yes. You're sure about that? Yes. See, in Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. And really what Jesus is saying, if you go back to his, what he is saying when he speaks it, is I will build my gathering. I will build my ek. I will build my called out group. He didn't say, I'm going to build a building. He said, I'm going to build a gathering. Jesus, Jesus died so that we could gather together and have fellowship with the Father. In Luke 4.16, 4, look what it says about him. Luke's gospel, the fourth verse, the 16th chapter. But he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his what? His what? And whose custom? Jesus' custom, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Now, are we Christ followers? What, what, so do we follow Christ? Christ had a custom. He had a habit. He had literally an ethos. So we all have this, this ethos, the core values that make us what we are. Part of Jesus' ethos, part of the ethos that is biblically is that we will gather weekly for worship. It was the custom of our Lord to gather weekly. It was the custom of believers to gather weekly. All the way back in Genesis, they were, as God set aside one day, there's always been throughout history, we set aside one day a week to worship our Lord. Do you all agree with that? That is, it's just a biblical deal. Hebrews, first as the habit of some, as is the ethos, as is the custom. It literally is the same word. Now, so we're Christ followers, and we're to follow after Christ. And so let me, let me ask you a question. If you're listening to Sam, do all the people that are a part of Faith Promise come every weekend? Really? You're sure about that? Yeah, so am I. Pure positive, absolutely. Sure, they don't come every weekend. So are we to gather every week? But we don't, right? You just said we don't. So do we have a problem? So we have a problem. See, as Christ followers, are we going to adhere to Christ's custom or are we going to adhere to the culture with which we live? Are we going to make it our ethos that we are weekly worshipers, that we gather for our God, or are we going to be monthly worshipers, random worshipers, drive-by worshipers? You know, it's, you know, drive-by service with a fast food God. 
You know, what, what are we going to be? See, we live in a culture today that is the most mobile of any culture in the history of the world. Would you agree with that? We have cars, we have planes, we have trains, man. We can get, we can go, we can climb in, and we can be gone, and we can be around the world before the day is over. We have, we're mobile, we have options, and, and I don't know about you, but I love options. Options are cool. One of the options we have is that when, when we're out of town, we can, we can stay connected to our gathering, our assembly, through our internet campus. And I love that. Uh, there have been Sundays that Michelle and I are the family driving back from Sunday with the iPhone in the up, standing up right there in the, you know, on the front windshield. Now, I'm driving. I'm not watching. I'm listening. Michelle is watching. It's got the iPhone. We're, we're listening. We're connected. We don't want to miss out on what God is doing. And so a lot of people come every week because do, do y'all believe God's doing something here? And we don't want to miss out on what God's doing, do we? Do we? Yeah, let me take you back here. And this is, I did it last week. It's two weeks in a row. It makes me feel old. So I hate this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Because old people remember how it used to be. Young people don't remember how it used to be. They only know how it is. But I remember how it used to be. And, and by the way, I hated how it used to be. Because it used to be that you couldn't do anything on Sunday. Any of y'all remember that? Matter do you remember back when, when your family went on vacation, you went to church on vacation? Y'all remember that? That your dad would find a place to go on vacation and go to church. Y'all remember that? And just to prove it, you brought the bulletin back. Oh, yeah. Some of y'all remember, man, you brought the bulletin back. Show the preacher. Hey, I was there. First Baptist, whatever, last week. I just want you to know, we're on vacation. But, hey, we were in the house of God. And, man, you know, they put them up on the bulletin board and all the places the church were worshiping. And we, and we just, that's, y'all remember those days? See, those days don't happen anymore now. When people go on vacation, they don't go to church. When they're at home, they don't always go to church, do they? Come on. See, we live in a Sunday or weekend scenario where it is packed with, with options. It's packed with activities. When I was a kid, there was the thing called blue laws. Stores couldn't be open on Sunday until after 1 o'clock. There was nothing on TV but preaching. It was horrid. I was a lost little boy, Saturday morning meant cartoons, and I love Saturday morning, Sunday morning meant preaching. And there was one cartoon jot. A little bouncy white thing, jot. And it was a Christian cartoon at that. There was no Bugs Bunny. There was no Roadrunner. There was nothing. It was horrible. Because I was a lost kid. I didn't go to church. It was terrible. But see, today, all the blue laws have been stricken, right? Today, Sunday is just like Saturday. Today, you know, people can make a decision, you know, about, hey, do we want to travel? Do we want to go out? Do we want to go? What, What do we want to do? And many Christian families today, are you ready? Whenever they get up on either Saturday evening or Sunday morning at Faith Promise, they toss a coin as to whether they go to church or not. Well, how does he know? Because I get to preach to a different crowd every weekend. We, we, we toss a coin about whether we're going to come. Now, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> I love you, but listen, listen to me. If there is a debate on Saturday evening or Sunday morning at your house, as to whether or not your family's going to church, you have a spiritual problem. See, your family has not made a deliberate decision that you will, that you will be actively involved in the discipline of gathering. 
which happens every single week. We have people who come every Saturday night. We have people who come every Sunday morning. And so it is, it's a deal. There's a problem. See, on Monday morning, do we argue whether we're going to school or not? No, the kids used to try that, but they lost, and they realized no matter what they did, they were going to have to go to school. Isn't that right? They've learned, okay? There's no reason that we're going to go. So why haven't your kids learned every weekend we go to church? We go to the house of God. See, it is our ethos. It is our custom. It is our habit as a family of believers that we gather for our God. Does, does this make sense? It, are y'all out there? Are, are, other campuses, Anderson, are you guys responding out there? See, this, this is the deal. See, the decision should already be made. It is part of our ethos. Now, let me ask you a question. Shouldn't saints, born-again believers, normal Christian families, or individuals, shouldn't we schedule our lives around the gathering for our God? Excuse me? Absolutely. Because Jesus said... I will, you know, I will build my gathering, my assembly, and the gates of hell will not prevail against our assembly. Jesus did not say, I'm going to die for a facility. He said, I'm dying, I'm going to die for a gathering, a worship event that's going to happen every week. Does this make sense? Now, the problem is that the culture, church, has eked in. And we travel, there's a dozen holidays, there's fall break, there's spring break, there's summer break, there's Thanksgiving and Christmas, and there's New Year's, there's Super Bowl, there's Memorial Day, there is Labor Day, there is Fourth of July, there is Mother's Day, and there is Father's, there are there Father's Day, and then there's a ton more seasons where we travel. Used to, we didn't, see, we didn't do that when I was a kid. Well, people didn't have the money to do that back then, or maybe it's just people in my house didn't have the money to do that, maybe they did at your house. And so, should we be actively involved? Should we just make a decision that we are going to be worshipers on a weekly basis? Should we make that call? Now, again, like I open up, there are a lot of reasons why people go to church. Let me tell you why I go to church. It's not because you pay me. Because I went to church long before I got, was in vocational ministry. I go to church because I need a touch from heaven. That's why I go. I need a touch from God. About every seven days, I find this odd thing that I really just am, am wired for worship, and I just need to be with the people of God. And so I want to go to church because I want a touch from God. And I'm going to be honest with you. In 32 years of gathering for God every week, I cannot tell you how many times I've been touched by God in a worship service. I can't tell you how many times I've come to church burdened, broken, just crushed about something that I don't want to know what to do. And the Spirit of God touches me and He takes away that burden. I don't know how many times I've come to church empty and hungry and I've left filled and satisfied. I don't know how many times I've come to church and, and, let, and, and, and given prayers to God that God has turned around and answered. I don't know how many times I've been in church and God has opened my eyes or God has increased my faith and God has touched my heart and I've seen God move. And I don't know about you, but I love to be touched by God. Has anyone here ever been touched by God? Amen. And there, listen, there are a lot of things that you can do. People say, well, you know, I don't have to go gather for God. Well, you're going to break Hebrews 1025 because the Bible says to gather. But, hey, I can gather in nature. Well, you know what? You can, you can do that six and a half days a week. You can nature yourself to death. But there is one time a week that we gather with the people of God. 
and then God touches. Hey, hey, whenever you bring a guest with you, and this is the most inviting church I've ever seen, man. We bring people every week. Let me ask you a question. When you bring a guest, what do you want to happen? Dead sermon? Junky music? Just hurry up and get it over with fast so we can get out and go to lunch. Is that what you're looking for when you bring a guest? No, man, you're saying, holy God, if you've ever moved, move this weekend. If the preacher has ever preached a good sermon, it's rare, but let him get one this weekend. I mean, come on, God, show up. Touch my friend, my mom or my dad or my child or my neighbor, my cousin, my nephew. God, would you touch him this weekend? God, would you move and you sit in that worship and you're praying the whole time and then you go to lunch and they say, you know, something weird happened to me at church. Well, tell me about it. I don't know. I just felt strangely moved and warmed. And you get to tell them, by the way, that was God. And let me tell you what God did for me. And let me tell you, I opened my heart up and gave my heart to Jesus. And they become believers and they invite other friends. Why? Because they came and got touched by God. That's what happens when we gather for our God. Amen? That's what happens. Years ago, Michelle and I invited Jim and Belinda Taylor. They, you, you know, every year we give out top 10 cards to people that you're praying for. And our kids were the same age as their kids, and their, our kids went to cards and they played ball together. And we sat on, on benches at ball games more times than I could count. And, and, and we struck up a conversation. We began praying, and they came, and they, they gave their heart to Jesus. And today, there's small group leaders here. I think this weekend, this weekend, 10 people in their small groups can get baptized. Because today, they're small group leaders at Faith Promise Church, them and the Van Osdales. And... See, God is, God is moving. God is touching. God is drawing. God is changing. God is challenging. God is transforming. He's moving on families and individuals. He's doing this radical work. And, you know, you, listen, you need to always be ready because you never know when God's going to touch you. It could be in the parking lot. It could be somebody stops you. It could be in a moment of worship with your hands held. And maybe it's a lyric of a song or, or something happens or the Spirit of God lands on you. Maybe it's, it's during an artistic expression like the video that we saw that Marta was in and the waterfall, the refreshing presence of coming into the house of God. Maybe it's in the, maybe it's in the, in the preaching of the Word of God, or some drama, or some production, or something that we do. But, you know, we want people to be touched by God. Now, I try to stay very current with the culture, especially young adult culture, because we have so many young adults here. This is what so many young adults are saying. They're saying, hey, preaching is dead. It's, it's, it's dead. It's, it, we got to come up with something else. For thousands of years, the preached word has changed. How many of you have been touched by God in a sermon? Come on, every campus. every See, God moves in the preaching of the word, doesn't he? He moves in the preaching. And listen, it doesn't matter who's preaching. When, when, you, when you come to worship on the weekend and, and it's not me that's communicating, it's, oh, man, dang, I wish the pastor was here. Or I'm here, so, oh, dang, I wish he was gone. I wish it was Zach or Josh or Pastor Matt. I wish it was somebody else, you know, because I like them better. And, and, and let, me, let me just, let me warn you, don't compare preachers. Amen? Because, listen, you can come in and if you are ready and prepared, you are prayed up and somebody is holding the living word of God, teaching the word of God, you can be touched by God. So you listen to the word. Amen. Come on. Absolutely. Many people were shocked on, the, on our, of our baptism weekend when people got here, and I didn't give the message. It wasn't my idea. Pastor Josh said, listen, pastor's going to hurt your feelings, but listen, Zach is our best evangelist, so why don't you let Zach do the baptism weekend? I said, well, he's the second best evangelist, but yes, I will let him do the baptism weekend. And, and God moved in a powerful way, and it was just one of the greatest weekends we have ever had. And I did not do the message. I wasn't involved in anything. 
See, God touches people when we gather. You know, that's why, that's why we so prepare in kids' ministry that we have a kid-oriented worshiping, kid-oriented preaching, and we have small groups for kids, and we have it for preschoolers, and we have it for students on, you know, different nights on different campuses because some don't, some are on Wednesday, some are on Sunday, but all of our campuses have a student ministry where it's student. And listen, you know, students are the only group that have two messages a week. The adults come to large group worship, and then we, we go to small group. But the students go to the weekend and the midweek or whenever the, their group meets at their church, and they go to small group. Why? I can't, why do they do that? Because they're the most dangerous time of their lives. About 14 to 30, the absolute most dangerous spiritual time in people's lives. And so it is, it is huge for us that we, that we create environments so that our students that our kids and our preschool can gather together in an environment that impacts them and God can touch them. See, the problem is this. If you're listening, say, I am. The culture is crowding out church. The culture is crowding out church. What they say today is the most faithful people in church come 35 weekends a year. And you say, well, that's crazy. I mean, that's crazy. I, and I've talked to people here and said, Pastor, there's no way I come way more than that. Okay, where are you at at Thanksgiving? Where are you at Christmas? Where are you at New Year's? Where are you at on Mother's Day, on Father's Day? Where are you at on Labor Day, on Memorial Day? Where are you at on spring break, on fall break, on summer break? And you begin to look, well, you know, we travel some, and, and thank God that you can, but, well, yeah, I'm, I, I only miss about 15 weekends. Well, like I said, most people come about 35 weekends a year. Amen? And so, now, listen, I'm not saying don't travel. I'm saying when you're gone, connect, just stay connected, go to church where you're at, or, or get on the Internet campus so you can stay with us. See, the culture is crowding out our gathering for worship. It's, it's moving it out. There's just this slow deviation. I met with a guy several years ago who was, got saved here. His wife got saved. His friends got saved. His family got saved. He was a radical. He was bringing folks. He was just unbelievable. Then one Sunday, he wasn't here. And the next Sunday, he wasn't here. And so I called him. And I said, hey, man, let's, let's go have breakfast. And it had been about two months. And I sit down with him on Alcohol Highway at the Cracker Barrel. And we were talking. And I said, dude, man, you were doing so well. What happened? He said, you he said Pastor, I never believed the devil could have taken me out of church. And we don't go. And they still don't go. That's, that's been years ago. They still don't go. I said, well, just come back. Just, just come on. And so many people who fall out don't want to come back because they think that everybody's going to look at them. Well, we're big enough now, nobody notices. Isn't that right? I tell people, well, I'll come back, people make fun of me. Nobody knows you. Isn't that right? And so, and actually, that's the reason a lot of people come to Faith Promise, because they can stay anonymous, come out of the shadows, and get involved. Get involved. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of song. Is it your ethos to worship every weekend? Is it your ethos? Let me give you one more warning. Again, I said that the most dangerous time is from mid-teens to about 30. You make the bulk of the most important decisions. You're in the most dangerous spiritual condition. You're where your friends now have more influence than your family or your pastor or your small group leaders. And then what happens is people get about 15 or 16 and they get a car or they have to start paying insurance. And so the parents say, okay, you can have a car, but you've got to pay your insurance. Great. So if you've got to pay insurance, what do you have to start doing? Working. And kids ought to work. But then they, so they go to school in the daytime, so they work on when? 
evenings and weekends. What happens on weekends? Worship happens on weekends. And so they're 15, 16. Now they're really in a dangerous time. They're really in a dangerous zone. And now they don't go to church at all because they go to school and then they work. And now they're going to college. And now they're trying to work their way through college. And so they're working weekends. They're working midweeks. They got a weird schedule. They're trying to date. They're trying to make decisions. And they're sitting before many of them, most of them, I'm talking about major league professors who hate God. Are you with me? They're now no longer in church. They're, they've left the gathering of God because they're scheduled and because everything. Now they're out there on their own and they're sitting in classes saying the Bible's a lie. God's dead and Jesus wasn't crucified and all the Bible is mythology. And they're sitting there 18, 19 and they're reeling and they don't have the gathering of God and they're easy pickings for the devil. So let me tell you what we decided to do. Some of you, listen, this is just our choice. We told our kids, if you're active in sports and active in church, we'll take care of the car and you don't have to work until you get out of high school. Now, if you quit playing sports, you got time to work. But what you will do is you will go on Wednesday night. You will be here on the weekend. You will go to camp. If they're having a turtle race, you will bring your turtle and get on the parking lot. And we were always looking for adults to walk with us in the children's ministry and then in the student ministry who would help us raise our kids because we knew hell was against our kids just like hell is after your kids. And we knew that hell was after them, so we wanted people around to help us. And so we just said, man, we are going to make it that our kids are going to stay in church. Does that make sense? Because some of you say, well, I don't know why my kids don't go anymore. Did it happen about 15, 16, 17? Did their friends stop going? Did they begin to, did they begin to bail? Now they're isolated. Now they're away from the gathering of God, and they're easy pickings. Mom and Dad, when you're driving home from church, and they're lulling in the back seat, and you don't think they're listening, do you talk about how you didn't like the sermon, or how the music was too loud, or all the things you didn't like about church, or you hated the, the, the line to get out of the parking lot, and you griped and complained all the way home? See, what you created was church critics in the back seat. And then your kids grow up and they criticize the church so they don't go to the church and you don't understand why because you created critics by dishonoring the people of God, the man of God, and the church of God because you thought you knew better. Are you with me? Can I tell you something? It's easy to quarterback from the lazy boy. It's easy to talk about what Steve Spurrier should have done last night when the Vols tortured South Carolina. Amen. So... If you're a South Carolina fan, we're so sorry, but it's been five years since we've been able to do this. And so are you going to create a critic, a consumer, or a contributor in, with, within your kids? A lot of folks have fallen out. They, and they've fallen out for, for all those kind of reasons. See, Jesus gathered every week for worship, didn't he? Campus pastors, if you guys would come forward. Worship team, if you guys would come on out. It's what we're going to do. Every campus. Campus pastors, come on. We're about, to, we're about to enter in a time of worship and the gathering around of the table of the Lord. During this time, pastors are going to be up front at all of our campuses to pray with you. Or take during this time to fill out the communication card that's in front of you. Maybe you need to talk to someone about salvation or baptism or groups or serving. And maybe you need to come down during this time before you take the Lord's Supper and ask one of these Ask one of these folks to pray for you. 
Maybe you've fallen out of church, and this is your first time back, and you're thinking, how did you know I'd be here? I didn't, but God did. And so maybe, maybe you're one of those families that every Sunday it's a toss of the coin whether we'll go to church or not. What's the weather like? Is it raining? What are we, what are we going to do? Maybe you just need to make some commitments that your family is going to be founded on Jesus. Because this, we're not careful. Listen, listen. The culture is going to take our families. They're going to take our kids. Because if you're my age, you never believed America would be here, did you? What's it going to be like if Jesus doesn't come back in 25 more years? And so are you preparing your kids for the culture? Or are you preparing your kids for Christ? Are you preparing them for heaven are you preparing for the world? And so maybe you just want to pray for your kids. In this, this time, you know, just because somebody comes forward, we don't, we don't know why they come. But let's, let's gather. Let's allow the Spirit of God to move in this worship. You know, when, when, when you're ready, go to, go to one of the tables and, and take the, the, the cracker that represents his body and the, and the juice that represents his blood and take that and thank him for dying for us. If it wasn't for his death on the cross, we'd all be toast, wouldn't we, church? Wouldn't we? Come on, every campus. Spirit of God, we ask you to fall fresh on us. Spirit of God, we look for you to transform. We look for you as we gather around your table, God, that, that you'd prepare our hearts. And as we pray and as we move forward in a world that is set against you, our hearts would be set for you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mighty God, fall in this place at every campus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, let's stand in worship.